five, six, seven, eight. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Discussing Trek. Today, we are reviewing Star Trek Lower Deck Season 2, Episode 4, Magato Gamato. We'll get into it. Like always, I'm your host, Clarence, and I'm joined by my fellow co-hosts slash Trekkies, starting with none other than Jeremy Barrow. How you doing, man? Man, I'm doing great. I'm I'm at home doing this, so, you know, pardon me if I get all tech unsavvy, but I'm glad to be here. You're not in the palatial uh, ready room studios. Uh, I don't know where the studios are now. I haven't been invited <laughs> to the new place, so I'm just having to wing it at home. Speaking of the ready room studios, we also have Jonathan Shorts. How you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing great, man. So, little little story on the ready room studios. So, there was a new treaty signed in the Federation, and the ready room studios happened to be on the Cardassian side of the border. So, we had to move. Oh, God. Yeah. So... Right now, we're kind of out in the remote section of the Delta Quadrant and the Delta Flyer. Hopefully, we'll get an established studio here soon. Oh, man. You just can't build your studio anywhere, man. Jeez. Absolutely. <laughs> also on the podcast, we have Carrie Brown. What's up, man? What's up, dude? I feel so nerdy after that soliloquy by John. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome, though. Thanks. <laughs> Happy to have you on, sir. Yeah, glad to be here. And last, but certainly not least, Cal Jones. What's up, man? Can't complain. Glad to be here. Uh, had fun talking with you this weekend, counting our 10 rings, but glad to be here to talk Trek. Yeah, and uh, speaking of 10 rings, definitely check out the Discussing Comics feed, where we talked about Shang-Chi. Oh, you guys you know, saw it? Oh, yeah, I saw it. It's, it's great. It's great. Yes, indeed. But what we do here on this podcast is review each and every episode of Star Trek in somewhat excessive detail. In addition to talking all things Trek, please leave a review, like and subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you may be listening on to make sure you don't miss an episode. Also, we have a Patreon, which you can check out by going to patreon.com slash discussing network. And with that, do we have any news from the pundits? Okay, I do. So, um, Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry to be honored with Boldly Go campaign. The foundation, the family foundation for Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry is launching a month-long campaign on Wednesday to inspire hope for the next 100 years. In partnership with Paramount Plus, the campaign Boldly Go is part of the celebration of the legacy of Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry in what would have been his centennial year. The campaign will launch at Paramount Plus's red carpet event on September 8th. Featuring Star Trek actors LeVar Burton, George Takei, Patrick Stewart, and others, Gene's son, Rod Roddenberry, founder of the Roddenberry Foundation and president of Roddenberry Entertainment, will appear on a panel about Star Trek's legacy. The celebration will be live streamed for free at StarTrek.com slash day starting at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Oh, so this is going to be integrated into the Star Trek day that's occurring uh, in just a few days here. It may have passed by the time you're listening to this, but hope everyone got to at least see some of Star Trek Day, which, you know, as you mentioned a few weeks back, has a myriad of panels, which all seem to be interesting, covering the various shows. And I'm interested to see what they do with this Boldly Go campaign as well. So uh, cool. Gary, thanks for that news, man. OK, yeah, Um, they actually there's actually a short interview with Rod Roddenberry. I won't go into detail about that, but I'll post the link for you guys if you want to check it out. Sweet. And also, as you mentioned last week, and I think John actually had this to talk about, but uh, Netflix is losing all the Star Trek stuff. Just if you didn't hear us last week, um, it's all going away. So 
I guess go to Paramount Plus. It's not um, all going away. It's not all okay. Help me out. What's what's staying there? DS Nine will still be there. Oh, okay. And TNG will still be there. Hmm. So the only thing they're losing is the original series Voyager and Enterprise. That is weird. Yeah, if you would think they would be leaving the not good stuff on there with your <laughs> Enterprise. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? Just saying. Uh, that's terrible, man. Yeah, that, that's that's interesting. But of course, they probably got those all separately with separate contracts. I'm guessing that's a large part of, part of it. I mean, we certainly saw that when when Marvel started to pull all of their movies back onto or back to Disney Plus, they kind of had the same situation where they couldn't pull everything at the same time. So it makes sense. Streaming contracts. Yeah, a new whole new world, a whole new world. And Jeremy has some news as well. Uh, yes, it appears that Star Trek Picard Season 2 will feature a new actress playing the Borg Queen, Annie Wershing. So we'll, we'll be seeing more Borg next and season. Didn't I read on that that she was a re, she's reoccurring as the Borg Queen? So I don't remember seeing her as the Borg Queen any, before. She will be reoccurring. Oh, okay, we'll be reoccurring. Okay. Yeah, the Borg Queen was, was previously played by Alice Krieg and uh, Susanna Thompson, who... I think Alice Creek was on the actual Picard day, but she was actually on there talking about, no, it was first contact day. She was a part of those panels. And it's weird that <laughs> now they're bringing in a different actor to play the board queen. <sighs> I don't know if I quite get it, but maybe they're just, I don't know. I don't know. That feels kind of weird. See, here's the deal. We're assuming that it's the same queen. Well, I was going to say, I believe the War Queen was killed at the end of Voyager. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure they, and in the, the Voyager novels die right after, there is a new War Queen that they have to build or make. Hence, mm-hmm. new War Queen. Carrie, had a thought? I was just going to say, I'm going to be a pessimistic mystic one and just say that they didn't want to pair what you wanted. <laughs> so they found somebody <laughs> cheaper. That's probably what happened. Maybe. You never know. They would have to pay me pretty good to do that makeup. Oh, it has to be dreadful, right? <laughs> that's that's terrible, man. She looked terrible. I mean, she, anyway, <laughs> it was not cool. So with that, we'll go ahead and get into our review of Star Trek Lower Decks, Magato Gamato. Magato Gamato is the fourth episode of season two of Star Trek Lower Decks. The episode was written by Ben Rogers and was directed by Jason Zirik with Barry J. Kelly serving as the supervising director. The USS Aritos is dispatched to a planet to investigate an unexplained sighting of a dangerous Magadu. Spoilers. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. I'll give you the right. You cannot destroy an idea. At ease before you spray something. Like always, we go to Kyle Jones for the beats of the episode. Sometimes serious, sometimes comedic. And in this situation, I don't see how we can be serious. So go ahead, Kyle Jones. Tell us what you got. All right. So here we go. When you think about it, it all comes down to the bottom line. Now, get away from me before I scratch your eyes out. Meow. Mmm. <laughs> mmm. Not the direction I saw you going in, but I get it. <laughs> I certainly get it. Hmm. He just had to throw the cat reference in there again. Huh? Yeah, it's all about it's all about the cat. All about Tiana. 
maybe that's a bad thing to say in this episode, but we'll get into it. Um, Spoken like a true player. <laughs> Why must the dog chase the cat? <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. Why must I be like that? Why must I chase the cat? <laughs> You know, I knew something was going to be weird when I seen the writing at the beginning. And it said language and <laughs> sexual situations or something. Hasn't that been all the episodes, though? <laughs> <laughs> well, well let's, let's, let's get into it, guys. Uh, let's go around the horn and get the high-level views on the episode. And, John, since seemingly you had something to say about the content rating at the beginning of the episode, what are your overall thoughts on the episode, man? I don't know if I'm just becoming numb to it. But it wasn't bad. I actually enjoyed it for animated series, not Star Trek. I felt like I was sitting down watching a cartoon and it was decent. Like it was a decent entertainment for 30 minutes. Not really tricky. I didn't get I didn't get my trick feels from it. I mean, we seen some. <laughs> you felt so. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> it was it, I mean, it, it wasn't. It wasn't as bad. And like I said, maybe I'm becoming numb to it. Maybe maybe it's the same as I've been complaining about and I've just kind of become okay with it. But, I mean, I, I didn't cringe when I watched this. Carrie, what do you think, man? <sighs> to piggyback off what John said, I will, I will quote some Linkin Park lyrics. I've become so numb, I can't feel you there. Become so tired, so much more aware. And what I mean by that is, like, I totally expect more... From this series and what we got this week, this past week. Number one, I feel like I feel weird about this season because I felt like the last two episodes were okay, but to me, this episode is like worse than the first one that you got. You guys all hated, and I will go into detail about what I didn't like later. But I just, I, I thought it was garbage. Mm, interesting, Jeremy. What you got? So my opinion is closer to Jonathan's than it is Carrie's. I mean, it, it's there's there's a slow and steady improvement over the past couple of weeks definitely from the first episode which was you know a dumpster fire and this one is just starting it's almost like it's starting to find its footing to start to figure out what it is <laughs> it found something Cal <laughs> Jones um, any additional thoughts to add about this episode I really liked it yeah, I really liked it. I had no problem with it. I enjoyed it. I credit Lee Shackelford for giving me the ability to enjoy it for what it is and understand maybe a little bit better of what it is. But ever since that light bulb moment, I've had no problem with with this show. I admit that it was different. It's not your traditional Star Trek, but... I sat there for 30 minutes, 25 minutes, watched it, and didn't get bored at once at all. Any had some parts of it that actually made me not just think it's <laughs> that's funny, but actually laugh at. So I thought it was good. Yeah, for me, there was definitely some parts that I thought were good, some parts that I laughed at, some parts that I cringed at a little bit. Um, it just irks me a little bit when they go for the easy, low-hanging fruit and they definitely went forward in this episode. I'm like, geez, are we like, uh, what, adolescent, uh, teenage or teenagers here? Like, what is going on? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it, who? It, I'm like, I respect the pooper sex joke 
just, I mean, I can laugh at one just as easily as the next guy, but I feel like, you know, sometimes when you you have a friend that's just kind of funny, like not really funny, but just kind of <laughs> funny, but yeah. they tell a joke, right? They tell a joke and people laugh. So they just dig in because like, oh, I got them now. Let me, let me keep. And I just feel like they probably had some wins with, with the doctor, you know, going all cat crazy. They yeah. had some wins with that earlier. They had some wins with the sex jokes, you know, they, and I feel like they're just kind of like, just dialing in on that. And it's just becoming like almost rudiment, rudimentary. Is that the right way to say that? It's, I, I don't feel, I, I don't feel like they're going anywhere as far as the comedy aspect i'm not even talking about compared to star trek i'm talking about compared to like lower like other episodes of lower decks i don't feel like they're the show is growing at this point i mean at least from this episode i feel like it was a step back like not even like is it not even comparing it to other star trek shows i'm just comparing it to lower decks i was just not that entertained by this episode see here's what's weird there for me is i'm somebody who traditionally hates the like literally hates the poop jokes the fart jokes all those types of jokes i don't find them funny don't well bottom line don't find them funny so that being said i kind of didn't even pay attention to those which is weird because usually that's what's like makes me cringe and i just kind of forgot about them for the rest of the story maybe i was just so focused on the cat and i liked the, <laughs> the cat character of dr tiana that i just it's was to like, the best of us man yeah you know what i'm saying so man you know but kyle you i mean you're right and i don't like i said i don't know if it's maybe because i'm numb to it now or what it's just you know i was kind of watching this expecting that my biggest problem with this show is like they've focused too hard on the comedy like I hate when people are trying to be funny. Like you, I, I rather see it naturally be funny. And this show, it's always been like that slapstick type humor. In this case, I mean, maybe there were some, but I think the story kind of flowed a little more. And to your point, Kyle, like maybe you just don't notice the bad comedy. Yeah, I think you guys just become numb because this episode was like ninety percent slapstick <laughs> comedy. Yeah, <laughs> and and I think the thing is the the over-the-top comedy in this season seems like it's moved away from the characters a bit and more into what they're doing if that makes any sense i'll give you that at least it's it it's definitely changed and i i do like the it's it do it does seem like we're starting to get some growth from the actual characters we're getting some character development they're not always the same slapsticky over-the-top characters that they were in season one they've just taken that and transitioned it on the actual <laughs> i don't know what did we see and, I don't even... <laughs> go ahead well and also also another complaint i've had was that you know it seems like they so focused on the comedy that they kind of forgot like the purpose of the show like i wanted to see a good flow of the story like there was a problem and this is how we're getting to the solution and there's a solution type thing. That's kind of what I wanted to see. And in the first season, you really didn't see a lot of that. Like you knew they had a problem, but the focus of the show wasn't really on the problem. The focus of the show was on let's make them laugh. Like in this case, like this episode and maybe even the past couple episodes, I've seen more of a general focus on 
the actual story, like the A plot or if you or the B plot, whatever case is more important. But like they kind of just stayed on focus with that. Like there was a problem. You kind of knew there was a yeah. problem. You were wondering how they were going to solve it. They came up with a way to solve it. Maybe it was funny. Maybe it wasn't. But it, it, it just kind of gave me a complete story. And yeah. again, that whole they didn't have enough time to do a good story. Again, they just proved themselves wrong here. Like in 30 minutes, we still had a complete storyline. Well, yeah, I'll give you that at least. It was it was definitely story wise, it was more complete and contained than the stuff from last season. I'll give you that at least. And where they may have given us a little bit of camp with a certain storyline or subplot that Mariner had, you had this story where you see something that's really kind of violent happening. And there's an assumption of what it is, but they use it in a way to not only progress her character, but progress her relationship with Boilmer and Rutherford and her, which, you know, to me had nothing funny to do. Yes, they put funny elements into it, but that was one of the things that I liked was kind of piggybacking on what you guys were saying. It kind of, there may have been slapstick, like you were saying, but it progressed at the same time, right. which I think was good. Now, the the only issue I really saw was like, I think this episode, they were trying too much to make it the adult themed show and not for the one reason we're all laughing about. But I mean, for many reasons, like like here previously, the previous episodes I've seen, like I'd have been OK showing this to a five year old. Right. But yeah, like this episode, there's no way like this was like you need to be 13 plus at least. Yeah, no. Yeah, doubt. I wouldn't I wouldn't show any of these episodes honestly to my kids. <laughs> I mean you had to I felt dirty watching that scene. The alien apes. Well, I yeah. mean it was, it wasn't even that scene. It was it was a lot more blood in this scene. There was a lot more there was just like they really laid on the adult content heavy in this episode. Um, but it was alien blood. It doesn't really count. <laughs> well, wait, this, this I, I will kind of agree because this episode I was like Okay, this is not for any right. young person of the of the sort. They're definitely differentiating the potential watchers of this versus who's going to go watch. Prodigy I mean, if Ringa got ripped in half, <laughs> you know? I'm d- like, like I'm okay with things being over the top for like a reason, but I just don't feel like the. I don't know. Yeah, I just, it just it that, just didn't it just didn't I don't know. That was, that's what I'm saying. That was my, that was probably my, one of my only gripes about this was they just really tried too hard to lay on the adult content just to make it an adult show, I think. But now remember last season, we, when we're talking about violence, we had a clippy clip art thing that was trying oh, to kill Rutherford. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, they had definitely had sexual references in the, um, the first season. With the yeah, uh, fertility didn't go this uh, far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they had the fertility told them in the first season, but yeah, you're right. Nothing um But they didn't show people using their fertility totem. <laughs> <laughs> to, like it, it, to me it wasn't even that. Like this is like Transformers two, like when the dogs are like humping each other. Like th- to me that's what this episode yeah. was. It served it served no purpose. Except for this, like, look at how look how edgy we can be. Right. <laughs> look what we can do. Look what we can get away with. Right. Well, let, let's let's get into a bit of details, <laughs> and also um, the actual uh, Mugato is a reference to a TOS episode, Private Little War, which I'll talk about some of the details that are mirrored 
in this episode very so slightly as well. But in this episode, we see Tindy refuse to be a pushover and our way team comes to a compromise. <laughs> the good thing about this episode is you can't really fuss about the Klingon sex and discovery anymore because this <laughs> is, it is Mr. Past. So let's talk about that cold open. John, I know you're a TNG fan. What about this Ambu Jitsu? I mean, I like that they showed it, but I mean, it, I don't know. It, it, it wasn't an important part to me. Like, I didn't get excited when I seen it. Let me take that to kind of pivot a little bit into Mariner and her seemingly undercover or secret life as a <laughs> the secret agent for the Federation. What do we think about that whole thing? And is it believable? Because at first I thought it was pretty believable. It felt like to me that they may have been doing a meta thing. When we talk about characters like Mariner, like um, even even uh, Michael Burnham, they, they the people, if it's a female, they like to throw out the words, Mary Sue. Why is she this good at everything? And I kind of feel like it was a commentary on us watching the show saying, why is Mariner this obviously obvious person that gets in a lot of trouble is good at everything. So I liked it from that aspect. But any thoughts on that, um, as well as maybe bar talk and how it kind of spread spreads rumors around the ship or whatever. My whole thing about the whole secret ops thing, like I never believed it. And I'm going to tell you why. Like, why would the bartender at their like, why would he even know that? <laughs> I know he says I hear I hear rumors, but like like that just seemed like something weird and random to me. Well, I think that's kind of a play off of just like bartenders. And so you go back to like Guinan and even Quark on DS9. Like there's been a few episodes where they've had information that no one else had that ended up in the end helping the entire mission or problem. And it's just because they had the information because they were the bartender, like. People talk to them. They know things like on DS9. Many times the crew have gone to Quark because because he runs a bar like he kind of has access to information that they wouldn't have through traditional channels. I, I mean, I, I get that. I get that. I totally get that. And I'm not trying to argue about it, but let's assume for a second she is a black operative. Only people who would know about that on that ship would be her mother and her. Like, that's it. Who's she here yeah. from? Who do you hear from? I guess what I'm trying to say. Yeah. True. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I guess they were, I, I figured they were just kind of trying to play up the fact that the bartenders on Star Trek always had information. Probably not the type of information that they should have. Like, they probably should have used a different plot to make that point. I don't know. I, I kind of bought it as a possibility. I just saw it as uh, the, they were throwing out somebody that was trying to present himself to make himself look better than he actually was. And there's nothing wrong with being a bartender. That's not what I mean by better than he actually was. But someone as an individual person that was trying to l be a broker of information and making fun of that, not necessarily, uh, maybe, yes, a nod to the Guinan character and the court character. But I saw him more as an individual that was trying to be an opportunist, less of him being a bartender i saw it more so as he could have been junior first class on the bridge that was "Ooh, let me tell you what i saw today kind of person right oh and i, I guess you. if they would have made his character a little more serious instead of like loony then maybe yeah him. yeah he seemed like he was inebriated right <laughs> well he does work in a bar after all i'm not paying you for nothing <laughs> 
get back to work. Can't get high off your own supply, though. <laughs> can't be a drunk bartender. Until late at night. <laughs> Sorry, that was all outcast reference. So let's let's pivot a little bit. And Cal, you said this was your favorite storyline, of course, uh, Tiana, Tendi. Um, what are your thoughts on that storyline? And mm, is it always the fact that senior officers don't want to get their physicals? I can remember that coming up a few times in Trek's past, but any thoughts on that storyline? Mm, yes, indeed. I love the fact that we saw this person, and we started seeing this last week, I believe, but we saw it again, this person who we see is just this sweet, innocent pushover that she has the ability to be so much more. And I like the fact that you had these people that were kind of just bulldozing over her. And then the the overall story here, the lesson here is kind of stand up for yourself, speak up, don't be a pushover. I, I really, really like that. But I think the other part of the commentary was exactly what you just said, which was there are people who give out the rules, but they are the exception to the rule. Now, that could be a commentary on just management in general. It could be a Starfleet commentary, but I liked how they did it. And of course, yes, I love the cat screeching and getting up under. (laughs) Oh, God. uh, That was my laugh out loud moment. I watched it three times in a row. Thought it was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord. That was my favorite. Favorite part. So anyway. I have to disagree. That was probably one of my least favorite parts. I don't know. I just, I think they're, like Carrie said at the beginning, I think they're just playing too hard on the fact that she's a cat. I'm more of a dog person anyway, so maybe that's one of the reasons I didn't really like it. I don't know. It just, and it's like they already did this. They did, they did this exact same thing in episode one where it's like, hey, I need you to, hey, I need you to do something. And then I'm going to act like a crazy cat. <laughs> yeah. They did it in the last episode when she got in the box. Well, that makes it even worse. No, it makes it even <laughs> <Back> better. <laughs> yeah, I, I, for me, like I really like Tiana's character, but you know, when you see an alien that's different, you want to see that alien functioning as a Starfleet officer. Again, I know this is comedy, cartoon, whatever, but man, they take it to the extreme. They really do. Yeah. I've, I don't know. I just feel like they've kind of taken away from her character a little bit because her character was kind of, excuse my language, she's kind of a hard ass, you know, like she, yeah. um, yeah. you know, she was like, I don't take nothing from nobody. And like, and now she, they've just kind of made her into a gag and I don't even know how oh, I like that. Oh, yeah, see, yeah, right. I totally, 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 no offense, but I totally disagree. I think the whole concept of you've got someone that is a an evolved cat whether it was an evolved dog and he starts barking at you that would be funny to me because i think it is so on the nose that that's what makes it funny at the end of the day she's a cat i think they watched bojack horseman he's mr peanut butter now what did you say john i cut you off i'm sorry oh no nothing <laughs> nothing important hey but before we get too far i just want to kind of give a shout out to the two the noble the on the planet at the the first shot of that planet. I forget the name of the planet. Did anybody catch that? Yeah, I thought they were um, Cardassians until their heads, like, <laughs> puffed up. Oh, man. That yeah. was funny. That was funny. Yeah, that was yeah. very funny. I like Freyline that. 4 is where they were on that planet. Yeah, there you go. 
and and getting into that storyline a little bit, they discover the uh, Mugatos there, and they're not native to the planet. Why why are they here? We need to um, research this a bit, and they send, of course, the Cerritos to to investigate. Uh, let's get into some of the details of when they actually get on the planet a little bit. To me, initially, it felt like the beginning of Jurassic World when just crap goes crazy <laughs> and everything gets loose. Jeremy, what are your thoughts on Fryland 4 when we first get here on this planet? Uh, thoughts on this, this Ferengi operation going on here? Yeah, I was totally getting the Jurassic Park 2 vibes from it, which which was not a bad thing. I like Jurassic. I like the Jurassic Park series, but it just didn't feel, I don't know, it just felt replayed. So are we talking before or after Shaq's taste the poop? <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's kind of like a Jurassic Park throwback too. Honestly, in the first movie where she like digs deep into the Triceratops poop. Oh yeah. So this just this just it feels very Jurassic Parkish to me. But does she do it twice? I think <laughs> right. Well, gotta you know stand by your convictions. The but, fact uh, that they broke it up with the Ferengi, I think, kind of helped though. Like it would have been more Jurassic Park if like there were a more serious race of people doing it. But like when I seen it was the Ferengi, like I was just like, oh, they got another get rich quick scheme that's gonna blow up in their face. Like it, it just kind of broke that up for me. Was that a fanboy moment seeing the Ferengi? No, <laughs> but it just it just kind of broke up the whole Jurassic Park thing. And it, like, and it felt like early TNG Ferengi as well. Yeah, with the they, whips. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot about that. They did out of whips on TNG. Now, they did kind of do something in this episode that was a little similar to the TOS episode, Private Little War. They kind of made it sort of a bottle episode once they got on the planet because the ship was inaccessible, uh, which also happened on the, the TOS episode. The ship had to go hide from the Klingon. So it went you know away from the planet a little bit. So that kind of aided to the whole reason they could be here and not get off and, you know, have to kind of survive for a few hours. <laughs> Uh, before being rescued eventually. So I thought that was that was pretty interesting. And just some some more nods to well, just some more information about the TOS episode. Actually Kirk's Kirk gets mauled by a Magato and almost dies. <laughs> it's pretty funny actually. You need to go watch it. But yeah, he almost dies in that episode and the rest of the episode is is pretty much about him getting better and Starting this war of these these two pre-warp civilizations, which they shouldn't be interfering with, which uh, they just break all kind of rules anyway. But but back to to this episode. And so we gave a few thoughts on the portrayal of the Ferengi, them being poachers. Now, this is my initial thoughts on having the Ferengi kind of herd these Magatos, which, you know. Magato, Gamato, whatever you want to say it. I always felt like it was too much work for the Ferengi to be doing. F from my point of view, it didn't seem like the payoff could be enough for them to be doing all that work. You know, <laughs> they love profit, but they don't like to do a lot of work, from my opinion. But any mm. thoughts on that, John? Because no, it's I, a large I operation. I disagree. Like, I, when the Ferengi see profit, like, it, there's... And I'm sure there's a rule of acquisition I could quote here to help this, but I don't know him by heart. But I mean, in past, when there's an opportunity to make a decent profit, the Ferengi have gone through a lot. I mean, heck, they they commandeered the Enterprise, which was the flagship of the Federation, just to make yeah. a profit. You know, like, yeah. 
who would even attempt to take that task on? Like, this is the flagship of the Federation and you're the Ferengi, but you seen the opportunity to make profit. So you went for it. And I think this hmm. was kind of the same situation. They didn't think it through. They just went into it. And then somebody said, hey, I'll give you so many bars of cold press latinum for a horn. And they said, well, we could do this forever. <laughs> they went into profit rage. Right. Oh, oh, what What do you think about, and anybody can answer this, but what do you think about Mariner's um, rebuttal to the whole gold press latinum thing? Like, you could just replicate anything. Why are you doing this? <laughs> Great point. Like, why hadn't anybody just said that before? <laughs> I've been internally screaming that for years. <laughs> <laughs> so, Carrie, I have to ask you about Patingi and having read many books. Was this like a insensitive riff on Steve Irwin? Oh, God. It seemed like that. It, it definitely seemed <clears throat> like that to me because I, I got a strong Steve Ir- Irwin vibe from this guy. And um, one thing I will say is that they definitely subverted my expectations for that character because <laughs> I thought he was going to stick around a little bit longer than he did. Um, it was like insta-death. <laughs> yeah. Mm. You know, I'm not surprised, though. I was expecting even before they came out of the tree that, like, one of the <laughs> Mikados was going to eat him right there. It's mm. like in anime when they introduce a character at the beginning of the episode and he just dies just so they can kill him like this. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it felt like to me but i mean i didn't i didn't necessarily have a problem with that part of it because i feel like the way they ex- executed it was pretty funny so yeah yeah i thought that was fine and the fact that he really didn't know like i would have probably been uh-huh. more worried if he had i would it'll bother me more if he really was like a professional and knew all about it and then he definitely would have been getting like the steve Irwin feelings but yeah he didn't know crap he was just a guy that thought he knew and he yeah. was wrong well, it's a slight commentary on the internet um, age where we can go read something and think we're experts all of a sudden, you know. <laughs> but didn't he say when they met him, he had written five books? And then, yeah, I thought he said written and then he said read. Yeah. Well, that yeah. kind of threw me off. I think he. I, I watched it again, like right before he got on. I think he said read both times, but he said it so fast. Even I thought he said written, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I read uh, both books. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say that way. Kyle Patingi, does that remind you of anything? Oh, that 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 was what I was asking. I wanted you to say his name again. So yeah, I love the name. Just FYI. Of course, talking about the Pating on Doctor Who, and I will say that if it if he would have been anything like his namesake, he would not have gotten eaten. So yeah, if we would have put Pating versus um, Magato in a ring, who would who would win that battle? No, hands down, the Pating would have won. <laughs> Mighty so, little warrior. Yeah. So so basically, think of something that's about six inches. No, not six. Maybe about a foot tall, <laughs> and uh, uh, with 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 big with big eyes and whatever, and looks like this little cute little creature that's viciously hungry. Mighty That's Mouse? That's Sort of, kind of. <laughs> mighty, the Mighty Pating. <laughs> yeah, the Mighty Pating? I, I just Googled it, and I know what you're talking about now. It's a, it's a metal-eating creature, right? Yes. Yeah. Or anything. Okay. It can eat anything. Yeah, that was a weird episode. I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that episode. So, anybody can take this. You know, I thought Boomler and Rutherford... We're going to have a MacGyver moment. I guess we could say they did have sort of kind of a MacGyver moment. Um, Was this the solution we were thinking they were going to come up with? 
with this bazooka looking thing as they walked out in front of the Ferengi after being captured. Well, no, they didn't get captured. They barely escaped capture. And then they were going in to free Mariner and Shax. Um, thoughts on the solution here? I've dogged this episode a lot. So I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Um, the fact that they set this up at the beginning of the episode, I felt like it was, it was, they did, they did this part right where yeah. they set up this seemingly like insignificant, like dip, diplomacy game or whatever they were playing. <laughs> I don't even know what it was called. Diplomat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they set, they set this ga- the game up and you know, I never thought I'd hear from it again, but it ends up being a linchpin of the episode. So again, that, I thought that was a really good, you know masterstroke by the writers and I, and I agree I, I agree with Carrie and I'll just add I would have been disappointed if they had to come out with like an actual bazooka or something <laughs> <laughs> like because I, I know and I mean Mariner kind of kind of teed them up to be badasses like you know you're gonna go be a badass so you kind of expected them but I mean at the end of the day like they're gonna be who they're gonna be like what are they good at and basically, that's what they're good at. Like, you got an engineer and a very, very strong diplomatic Starfleet guy. Like, so what's going to happen? That's what they're going to happen. Somebody's going to build a projector and somebody's going to negotiate diplomatic terms. I was okay with that. And I would have been disappointed if it had been something different. Oh, man, that's so good. Because just say if it was, if it was LaForge and uh, if it was Jordy and Barkley. You wouldn't expect them to come out there with a bazooka, you know, because because they're like the smart people. They're going to come up with some other idea know, to try man. to get out of it. I think Jordy would have got a little ghetto. <laughs> Stop. Because, I mean, honestly, they probably they probably could have took those those fringy. They yeah. probably could have took them. They probably could have took them. So it, I thought that that made it even more interesting to me that they didn't just take the easy way out and just have them like drop up, drop from some trees and knock them out or something like they, you know, you can tell they actually thought about that part of the plot. Cause I mean, even even the even the open when they're they're fighting and Mariner like it stabs Rutherford in the hand and all that stuff. It, oh, I mean, boy. they clearly they clearly established that these are not too tough dudes. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Good callback. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Hmm. See, you're making me like this episode a little bit more than I thought I did. Yeah, I'm starting to warm up to it too now that I think about things. So, if we are both unhappy, that means we've reached a compromise. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about this this green guy's name being called Kink, and let's just get into the whole voyeurism <laughs> and Megato sex. I mean, uh, do we really need that? Yeah, that was completely unnecessary. Uh, <laughs> it completely. Was, it was funny. They, I, I think they spent too much time there. And they probably went a little overboard on it, but I mean, <laughs> a little, <laughs> well, maybe a lot, but I mean, it was, okay. When, when you, when they cut to the scene where the, the Magada was like rubbing his horn, his horn, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> that was pretty funny. But I mean, there's some, sh- there's some Freudian stuff going on with the season, man. I don't know what it is. You said it last week before we even got this episode, dude. You were yeah, like, like, seriously. <laughs> I get. I guess the writers heard our podcast and they were like, "Oh, oh, you thought that was too much? Wait till you see next week." <laughs> yeah, they they spent a little too much time on it. I, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't terrible and it wasn't a deal breaker. So I mean, it was funny. Hmm. Mm, mm. I did not laugh at all. I was just like, "Oh, what? What? No, what?" Yeah, that, that, I wasn't like dis- I wasn't disgusted. I wasn't taken aback. It was just it was just like shocking to me and not in a good way. You know, it was just kind of like, oh, OK. Um, All right. Yeah, I didn't laugh either. I was I was like, are they really doing this? 
they're really doing this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I did an audible eye roll on that one. <laughs> it's like, you know, the log bumping, I'll give you, you know, the log the log being bumped and then being bumped, in, bumped into the water. Like, you know, that has the the makings of something that could be funny. But then when they add the other thing, just like standing there rubbing his horn. Because like at first I thought I was going to get a laugh out of it because at first they kind of made it look like that that one of the gorillas was like like moving in on one of the other gorillas like mate or something yeah but then when he just sat there and was like oh this is all i was like oh yeah <laughs> it's like it, it's like everything i hate about current internet culture in like <laughs> 45 seconds right there but yeah it's just like man that was just weird to see on screen dude I, i'm not gonna lie and the, the the green guy's name was kink uh, oh, kinky kink <laughs> i didn't catch that the name of the place is what uh kinks uh uh, Gamato Reserve, Magato Reserve. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's terrible. <laughs> that's yeah. terrible. I'm just sitting here thinking. May I'm kind of blanked that out of my head because <laughs> I had completely forgotten that until y'all started talking about it, and I'm picturing it, and I'm like. <laughs> Mm, maybe I shouldn't have said what I did at the beginning. <laughs> it's like with with that, there were so many opportunities for them to do something like hysterical, and then they just took the low hanging fruit. Yeah. No, I'm sitting here like, going yeah. at the beginning. Oh, I love this episode. This episode was great. Yeah. Oh, you forgot about them gorillas. <laughs> he was worried about the cat. <laughs> I mean, it is it's kind of grown to what we've it's grown to be what we've expect from Lord Dex. So like John said, and maybe Carrie said at the very beginning, like we've kind of be- become insensitive to anything, which it, it does make you enjoy the show more because I don't consider it to be canon. I just think it'd be a, as to be just a fun romp. Now, that being said, again, I keep saying <laughs> I keep saying this. If they're if they're trying to do something in the vein of Rick and Morty, Rick and Morty, go watch Rick and Morty and see how smart that freaking show is. Then come back and watch yeah. this. That show is brilliant. I'll go back to the same thing I've always said. Like, and again, maybe I'm becoming numb to it. Like they're just going to go after the low hanging fruit, and I kind of expect that. But my gripe has always been, okay, you're not even if it's not canon, even if it doesn't satisfy the trick the trick that I'm expecting. Like, even if it didn't, like, I still want to watch an episode and be entertained and I want to stay in it. And the way you're going to do that, whatever you do, low hanging fruit comedy, slapstick comedy, whatever you do, let's focus on the story and then all that other stuff in it. If the story is good and there's a point and we're moving along through the story, I will ignore or kind of look over a lot of this unnecessary stuff that they're putting in it just because I'm interested in the storyline. And that's where I think they lost me in particularly, I'm not going to speak for everybody, but in the first season, like there, these episodes were not really a story. They were just, Hey, look at us grabbing the low hanging fruit. Look at us name dropping the things that you may remember. You know, that's all it was. And that's all it focused on. And it, it really made it uninteresting. Yeah, and it's funny. It's, it's it's like this episode almost. It, it's even though it does have some very weird places within it that make me want to hurl. Uh, <laughs> I do think there's some interesting parts in it. It it I think it does tell a complete story. It does leave the by the end of the episode, we're left with something better than what we started for these, you know, Magatos and what's going on down there in in their slapsticky kind of way, you know. Um, so I do feel like it was a decent story overall to, you know, free these 
well, not free. They're still in captivity, ironically enough. But to give them a better, these Magados a better path, let's preserve so they are free, per se. It was a very Federation solution. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, let me say this. We keep saying over and over and over, and considering what you guys reminded me of <laughs> in, in the last five minutes, we we keep saying and calling this episode the low-hanging fruit. Maybe that's not a good uh, <laughs> uh, word to say, considering the end. But my other point I want to make is, we just said in the last five to 10 minutes that we have desensitized ourselves to basically paid network television cartoon porn. Just saying. Mm. Well, I mean, here, here's how here, here's how I like to think about it, about like this show in like its entirety. Um, I take episode two, Keishun is wise open, his, his eyes open. That episode to me, I'm not talking about realism as far as like scientifically, but to me, in my opinion, that episode could take place in the Star Trek universe, the canonized Star Trek universe, yeah. if, if this isn't canon, whatever. Um, the thing that made that episode funny was not what was happening necessarily. It was how the characters, the lower deck characters who we know, you know, can be funny. Like their their reaction to what was happening is what made it funny, even to some extent with episode three. This is our Paris episode. Like it seemed to be seemingly based in like some 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 like fraction of star trek reality again the characters like boimler is what made episode three hilarious to me like, yeah his actions in the episode not necessarily you know like to me this what happened with these girls like i don't know anything about magatos or whatever but it seemed like they were just used as a plot device to generate laughs whereas to me it would be the same as if like tom paris would would have done something weird and out of character in the last episode. Like he was still Tom Paris. Like everything around him was hilarious, but he was still himself. Like I don't feel like episode four could have possibly taken place at any time in Star Trek because of the weirdness of stuff. Like the Ferengi were Ferengi. Like that that part was fine. It was yeah. the the Magados were what? Like seriously? Yeah, that's they took it too far. They just took that too far. Um that obviously was Yeah. <sighs> All right, let's get some ratings. <laughs> let's get some ratings. Uh, let's go right back to you, Carrie. What do you think, man? Um, again, I've tried to be more than fair to this show. There have been some episodes that I've liked, some episodes I've hated. This un- this episode, unfortunately, fell on the not like side, and it didn't necessarily have anything to do with some. You know, I I get plenty of points where I thought they did great things, but just overall, it just. I don't know. I just didn't enjoy it. I'm going to give it a one. (laughs) (laughs) Gary bringing that heat. (laughs) I mean, I gave plenty of reasons why I I didn't think it was very good. So I feel like I'm, you know, I was fair at least. You're justified in your assessment, sir. Um, Cal Jones, what do you think, man? You know what? I'm going to give it a 3.75. I stand by what I said about I liked in the episode from the very beginning I had forgotten the part that we've just been talking about, so it obviously <laughs> didn't bother me enough to where it stuck in my head. I, whether I blanked it out, whether I wasn't paying attention, whatever it was, it didn't stick with me. So I'm going to still say 375. Jeremy, what do you think? Um, I don't think I was nearly as offended as everybody else on this episode, but it was, it was just it was just there. It, like, it, it didn't move me one way or the other, so I'm going to give it a two. <laughs> Aside from the aside from the porn part, you know, it just it's just there. 
Mood somebody. <laughs> and like, I just want to say one more thing. Like, I don't necessarily have a problem with gorillas like humping and stuff. Like, I don't that that it didn't like offend me. It just seemed like severely out of place. Like, I I guess that's my thing. Like, I have no problem with with that type of thing. It's just yeah, this didn't seem to be the place for it. I guess is what I'm trying to say. I get it. I get it. Uh, John, what do you got, man? Um. I'm going to shock you guys. I'm going to go with a solid four. Mm. Uh, wow. So again, and maybe, maybe because I'm very tired <laughs> or maybe because I'm just desensitized to the whole lower decks thing. Like, I don't know, but what I've been begging for from the beginning was to let's focus on having an actual mission and not a stupid mission. Like, there's an actual problem that it would take Starfleet to solve. Like, let's let's do that and let's have that problem and let's let them fix it. And I'll be appreciative. And after that, then everything else is, well, it's a 30 minute animate, a 30 minute animated show. I'll take it for what it is as long as I have a story. And that's what they gave me. I sit down for 30 minutes. I enjoyed it. I did enjoy watching it. I didn't like look at my wife and say, man, I hate watching this. I just need to watch it to talk about it. Like, I actually just sit you there watched and watch it. with it. your wife? Well, she was in the room. We're in a camper, so, I mean, you <laughs> okay. kind of don't. <laughs> Did she give you any cross eyes when the gorillas, oh, gorillas well, started making sweet, part. sweet love? She didn't see that part, but she probably would have, for sure. Um, but, I mean, when we watch, when I watched it last week, she kind of looked at me. She said, is this what you guys are talking about? I said, yeah. She's like, and you're watching it? <laughs> and I said yes. Oh man! But I mean, again, this for would I sit down and say, "Oh, Lord Dex is coming on. I'm going to watch it." No, I wouldn't do it. But it is trick, and I want to know what's going on. It's something part of the trick universe. Let's watch it. And this episode, I actually enjoyed sitting down for 30 minutes and watching it. It was worth that 30 minutes of my life. So for that reason, I'll give it a four. Is this your highest rated episode it, of this series? It's the highest rated episode of Lord Dex I've watched. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Hmm. Yeah. For me, I'm going to... At first, I was going to get it like a 2.5, but I'm going to bump it up a few more points because I do think the Ferengi uh, parts of the episode was strong. There was very much what you'd expect. I can see Ferengi doing that that stuff in live action completely. So I, I give that part a lot of credit. I give Mariner in this episode a lot of credit because I feel like she's changing from being the slapsticky focus, all the jokes and doing very silly and unorthodox things within the Star Trek universe to being a somewhat competent officer, which I enjoy seeing her when she's like that. And I feel like everybody else is just kind of falling in their lane. Baumler is still kind of silly. Uh, Rutherford is the weird nerdy guy asking the questions Intendi, well, uh, good for her for getting more uh, getting more gumption in this episode as well. So I liked all the character stuff, and I do think the story was okay, but there's just some uh, unforgivable parts in this episode. Honestly, um, <laughs> the, the, even though I like Tiana, they're going too far with that. She's just a cat thing, and the the Magato Gamatos uh, smashing in the woods was not what I came for. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> um, oh that. wow <laughs> that's my new single smashing in the woods <laughs> with that um let's just see what everybody has been working on watching listening to podcast related or otherwise jeremy what you got man 
Um, man, I've been working too much to really kind of enjoy anything. Nothing? You haven't watched anything? Listen to anything? I mean, just, I mean, I'll put Star Trek on and I'll fall asleep. I'll put Family Guy on, I'll fall asleep. All right, man. I'll play with the dogs, I'll fall asleep. I'm trying to pull something, some nugget, some nugget from you, man. I ain't, I ain't got nothing for you, man. I'm sorry. Oh, man. All right. Well, um, John, what do you got, man? Well, all I've really done, uh, other than I come home every day and I'll put Star Trek on for about 20 minutes and then I go to bed because that's all I have time for. But if I have to suggest anything, I always suggest watch Star Trek and my, my very favorite DS9. Um, and if you want to hear more about Trek, then I always suggest anyone out there to go to discussingtrek.com or hit us up on Facebook. Check out some of our previous episodes. Uh, tell us what you think. Tell us what you think about Lord Dex. And man, maybe we're wrong. And tell us why everybody else likes it. All right. Carrie, what you got, man? Well, as always, you know, we're, we're going to we're working on wrapping up Tech Petition. Um, but last week I gave an anime um, plug. So I'll give another one this week. Um, this one isn't sci-fi. Um, it's a show called Haikyuu, that's H-A-I-K-Y-U, and it's a sports anime, and the sport is volleyball. And I know what you're thinking. What? Is but, it all girls? Um, no, no, it's guys. <laughs> it's guys. But the thing I really like about this show, um, and I think one of the reasons I judge this episode so harshly is because I've been binging this show. The pacing is spot on. Like it, It's a realistic progression of a team-based sport team. And what I mean by that is, you know, a lot of anime, they just do weird stuff. And it's like, oh, you won because you have special powers and like all this other garbage. Um, It's, you know, I played sports in high school, in junior high. And um, the way this this anime progresses is it it basically rings with everything I experienced in like high school sports. So maybe that's one reason why it's resonating with me. But um. It's really, really good. So if you have a chance, check it out. Cool. Cal Jones, what do you got? All right. I will make this real quick. Since we mentioned the fatigue, I would say if you're a fan of Doctor Who, by the time this goes out, within the next week of this going out, we will have episode 250 of Discussing Who, where we will do an adventure in space and time. So Discussing Who at DiscussingWho.com. Yeah. And as for me, as we said up top, check out our review of Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings. It was real fun to do that with Kyle a couple of days back, but it's up on the feed right now. And also check out all of our latest Discussing Who episodes in addition to the upcoming episode that Kyle has mentioned, which is our 250th episode. And Jesus. Yeah. And <laughs> thank you guys for joining. If you want to hit us up with any questions or comments, you can always do that by going to at Discussing Trek on any and all social medias. And us up fans at discussingtrek.com if you have any email feedback you can send it there as always guys thank you for listening and until next time live long and prosper thanks for listening to the discussing trek podcast for more information, go to discussingtrek.com slash subscribe.
Scout Team, head back to base for debriefing and cocktail. Hey everybody, it's Sergio from Reality Breached. Our team is excited to share with you our newest podcast limited series, Debriefing and Cocktails, our official 007 podcast. From tropes to theme songs, we break down every single James Bond film, culminating with the long-awaited new movie, No Time to Die. Subscribe to Debriefing and Cocktails today via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast player. Visit realitybreached.com for more details. You've been listening to The Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com.